Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hey, everyone. Chelsea here, and I'm excited to bring this week's episode to you. I'm going to be joined by four other women who not only have experience engaging in dog-powered sports and with training, but they also share their lives with small breed dogs. So we're going to talk all about the wonderful benefits of getting your smaller breed dogs out on the trails with you. We're also going to talk about some of those safety concerns and training concerns that you might be thinking of. It's not an episode that you're going to want to miss if you're a small breed dog owner. But before we dive in, I'd love to ask for a quick favor. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love for a little bit of support. And there's three ways you can do that. You could drop a review for us on your podcast platform of choice to help us connect with other dog lovers around the world and help get them involved in dog-powered sports. You could also head over to our Patreon page and give a one-time donation or for as little as $1 a month, support the podcast so that I can keep bringing these episodes right to you. And if you'd like to support the podcast out on the trails with your dog, consider looking at our bonfire page. We have some merchandise available to help give you and your dog some new gear to hit the trails with. I'll drop links to those in the show notes. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today for another episode. Today is kind of a fun one. We've got another panel with me, and I always love these conversations because everybody has their own experiences. So we've got some professional trainers, um, some people that just really enjoy training their own dogs, but everybody who's with us today has a small breed dog. So generally, when we are looking at our sled dog sports and we're looking at races, oftentimes you'll see a lot of really big dogs, a lot of purpose-bred dogs, a lot of originally designed uh, dogs like Siberian Huskies and Alaskan Malamutes, but more and more as people are starting to find the benefits of these sports and all of the excellent outlets and enrichment that it can provide, we're starting to see a variety of breeds, including some of our smaller breeds coming in. But it can be harder for people that are just getting started if they do have a small breed dog. So today I brought a bunch of small breed experts on and we're going to talk about how you can get your smaller breed dog involved in sled dog sports. So before we get started, I'd love for all of you to get to know our panel. So we'll go around one at a time and just do a brief introduction of yourself, your small breed dog, and how you enjoy training and dog-powered sports. Heather, do you want to get us started? Sure. Uh, my name is Heather, and I have three dogs uh, one of them is a little dog. His name is Paddington, and he is about a 26-pound, uh, more show-type English Cocker Spaniel. He um, He's chocolatey brown in color, and his ears are actually longer than his legs are. Um, he um, He's done a bunch of different dog sports with me, but by far our favorite are the harness sports. Um, I started with him in Cana Cross, and then we moved to, I have an electric scooter, so we started that. And then once he was pretty comfortable with that, about two months ago, maybe I tried bike joring and we're hooked. Um, we had just the best time doing that. Um, his little ears go flying. His little legs are just going as fast as they can. And um, I'm dying trying to keep up with him. So um, that's been super fun. Um, I've been a dog trainer for a while and this is just 
I think I've done this with my big dogs for years and now I'm just loving it with my little dog. I love it. And I love that you've also experienced the sled dog sports with larger breeds. I'd love to talk a little later on about kind of the differences that you see between running them versus running Paddington. Sure. All right, Maya, you want to get us started on our next intro? Sure. So I'm Maya and I am a pet owner who does dog sports. I have two little dogs, Tilney and Lottie. Lottie is about 12 pounds and is a Jack Russell Terrier and Tilney is 14 pounds and is a mixed breed. Um, I'm from Wisconsin and I am an avid alpine skier. So I've always said that the only reason I would get a big dog is to do skijoring with them. But then I found out that you can also do this with little dogs. So I got started, I took a class and we're now on our second season of skijoring and then we do cane across during the rest of the year. So cool. I love that. That's super cool. I love too that your goal was to do sled dog sports, but then you were like, you know what? I can do it with my littles. It's totally fine. I don't need a big dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Abby. Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Abby. I am a CPD TKA and FDM dog trainer. Um, I mostly prioritize working in the pet dog realm of things. So I do a whole lot of life skills, a lot of working with pet owners and their common pet problems, as well as some behavior issues, um, reactivity, all of that kind of good stuff. I have two small dogs of my own, and I'm a very big small dog enthusiast, Pocket and Phoebe. Um, they are both Chihuahua mixes, and one is a Chihuahua Terrier mix, both under 10 pounds. One is a tripod. You'll probably hear about that in a different podcast episode here. Um, and they are my little adventure buddies. It's been a wonderful ride figuring out how to get out into nature, get hiking with them, and do all of the same exact things that I could with my 75-pound dog that I had before them. Um, and it's just really, really fun having a small, convenient, portable dog who can still do all the fun dog things. Small and convenient. Isn't that the truth? You don't have to have a... Uh three extra large travel crates that take up your entire car? Nope, just the back seat. <laughs> All right, Paula? All right, I'm Paula Nowak. I am a professional dog trainer and enthusiast of all things uh, to do fun with your dog. And I got started in kind of hiking um, just because Chelsea said it might be something I'd enjoy with my dog who likes doing fast cat, now doing dock diving, um, barn hunt, He's just a dog who has really gotten me out and tried a bunch of different sports, things that are traditional for a small terrier and things that are not traditional for a small terrier. I also share my home with two others that one is a puppy, so we'll see what she likes. And the other one's just a pet um, who prefers to stay at home on the couch. And um, because of starting cat hiking, I don't love running, um, but, and I hadn't ridden a bike since I was in elementary school but um, I was introduced to it through Chelsea to try it since I have a very fast dog who likes to go fast and I cannot run, you know, nearly as what he would like, even if I enjoyed it. So we have um, actually competed in a um, can activity and bike drawing um, just recently, and we will do it next year as well. Um, and it's, you know, I don't consider myself a small dog owner. I just think, like, oh, what can I do with my dog? And I don't think about their size necessarily. Obviously their safety things, but um, I just love seeing what he can do and what he pushes me to do that I've never thought I would do before. I love that. One of the things that came up 
when Paula did the race uh, a couple weekends ago here was how dogs in general, not just her dogs, but dogs in general can really kind of push us outside of our comfort zone. And I think a lot of people who get small dogs might get them because they think that maybe they're easier, right? And and there certainly are, I think, some convenience factors of small dogs, like crates that we were just talking about, and they don't eat as much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there are some serious lifestyle things that are different. And after having friends with small breeds, I'm like, oh my God, okay, okay. I see that. Like, I see how that could be more convenient in a lot of ways, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize initially that they are dogs. You know, like Paula said, I don't think of myself as like a small dog owner. I just think of myself as a dog owner. Right. And that's the reality of it. And I think we have to kind of reframe the way that people think of small breed dogs because they're still dogs, right? There's, they still have a lot of those species specific needs and certainly energy and meeting those energy requirements are just one of those components of living with small breeds. Do you find that there, you know, as you talk to other dog owners or meet other small dog breeds when you're out and about with your dog, people surprised that you're out with your small breed and being active with them? I mean, absolutely. At the race, it was kind of neat. So many of my friends have large dogs and those who are my friends that are not local as small dogs, right? So um, it was like we were a celebrity at uh, <laughs> the event because, you know, he is 12 pounds um, and he, you know, does the things and is speedy and, and people were really shocked to see a small dog. You know, people who are in the sport um, were very surprised by that. Um, and I think a lot of times people just don't even think about that, you know, these little you know guys and gals can can do these things and want to do these things. Um, I think people are not aware that it's possible. I definitely have the same experience with both of mine. Um, one thing that comes to mind that happened to me once was actually on a group hike with um, Chelsea and a couple of other people that we know in our circle. Um, and I was the only person with two littles and everybody else had, you know, Malamutes and Australian Shepherd. We had German shepherds and everything. And then just my two little tinies tagging along. We went on about, I want to say around a four or five mile hike that day. And several people that we passed on that hike would make some kind of comment about being so surprised and so shocked that my little tinies were keeping up with the rest of the group. But, you know, in reality, they were barely even tired by the end and ready to go all over again. They navigated the trail with no problem at all. Um, I get that a lot whenever I have my dogs out, even just the other day as well. I was meeting my new neighbors because I just moved to a new house. And one of the things they said to me was, don't you ever get worried that your dog's going to get, you know, picked up by a hawk or something while they're out here in the yard. <laughs> so people definitely, um, feel a lot more concerned and a lot more surprised seeing small dogs out and about. And, you know, of course that concern for their safety is definitely justified because there's a lot we have to keep in mind with smaller dogs, but um, for sure that exposure of just seeing small dogs being out and about can be really important for helping to change that stigma. I get a lot of, oh, on the, on the course when we're out there. Yeah, I mean, if you want attention, um, definitely suggest taking your small dog skiing and having them pull you because you get a lot of attention. 
Uh, people loved seeing them go by and I mean they can pull me so we would pass most other skiers and you know just shouts of are those little dogs like look at them go as we went down the trail so it's it's very fun you know I, I like uh, bringing some entertainment to people who are out enjoying winter activities. Obviously as pet owners you know exercise is a huge component whether we've got small dogs or large breed dogs and we know that if we don't meet our dog's needs on any given day, we're likely to see some undesired behaviors pop up. Um, and that's just as true for our smaller breeds, you know, than our larger breeds. And I think that exercise is one of those big misconceptions that people have about small breed dogs. And oftentimes I know from a professional training standpoint, when I walk into a home, exercise and enrichment are often things that come up. We have to talk about daily routine and kind of see what people are doing with their small breed dogs. And oftentimes there are some modifications that we have to make to those routines in order to make sure that the dog is getting those needs met. In addition to training, are there other misconceptions that you feel people often have about small breed dogs? I guess I think I think that you know they're they're certainly not purse dogs. I mean, I guess you could put it in a purse if you wanted to, but um, you know these dogs. It's just amazing when you see them join the harness sports because they're just so good at it and they love it so much that you can see how much they love getting that exercise and and getting that in. I just think it's it it really makes you appreciate. Um, doing that for them. I feel like a lot of times people don't realize that there's just as much variety to small dogs as there is to larger dogs. So you can get dogs that are content with, you know, maybe a little bit less exercise. And then you can get dogs that really do need some kind of sustained exercise on a regular basis. I obviously have a Jack Russell Terrier, which most people are aware needs a lot of exercise in general. Um, but a lot of people don't really think about those types of dogs when they're thinking about small dogs as a whole. Yes, definitely going off of that. Um, I see that happen a lot that people will kind of just lump size and needs and exercise needs and energy levels together, right? So like Maya said, you know, there, there are some small breed dogs who actually have really incredibly high exercise needs. And there are some that are more content with just kind of a stroll around the block. And I think that just kind of lumping them all together and assuming that they all are the couch potato kind of dog is doing a disservice to a lot of those more high energy dogs. Um, even among breeds and breed types, you'll see a huge variance in energy levels. I'll have, you know, a lot of clients who are struggling with their dogs that are, you know, toy breeds that are supposed to be meant as just easy companions. And a lot of the problem behaviors that they're seeing in their day-to-day -day life are happening because their dogs have these really high exercise enrichment mental stimulation needs that are not being met. And so they're kind of finding other ways to meet those needs that are not necessarily appropriate, but it doesn't necessarily occur to the dog owner that that may be the root of the reason why that's happening because they just assumed that, you know, I got a small dog because I live in an apartment or I wanted a convenient pet. And I didn't necessarily think that this dog would have very many needs beyond that. I would agree. And the fact that they're even reaching out, uh, I applaud them. We don't see a ton of small dogs um, at my facility for that reason, because people either tolerate unwanted behaviors because they're small, either you can pick them up, you can do things with them you couldn't do with a larger dog when they are being problematic. 
so they don't even think about you know reaching out for additional needs um, and you know they would should be treated like any other breed when it comes to their needs and looking at them as an individual uh, I think that's why I don't think of myself as a small dog owner because I'm looking at the individual and saying what do you need and what what is needed for the environment that you live in as well I think that's huge you know I oftentimes I think that more people will generally gravitate towards training and sports like dog powered sports for larger breeds, because if those energy needs are not met, it's very obvious and it can be very problematic when you've got, you know, a 70, 80 pound dog at the end of your leash or living in your home, right? Like a lot of destruction can happen pretty quickly. And I think that it's just as important for our smaller breeds to remember all breeds have purpose that they were originally designed to do. You know, and a lot of our small dogs, man, they're fierce little dogs. Like our terrier group, they they have some needs that need to be met, you know? And so I think that it's important to look at maybe breed origin and kind of see how much energy and endurance was initially built into these small athletes. But then like Paula said, also look at that individual dog because we can see large breed dogs that were originally designed for you know, a lot of athletic skill that maybe that individual is a little more low key and they don't have as big of an energy demand. So even if the breed, you know, mm -hmm. quote, created a dog to kind of fit in this standard, you can still see variation. And we can see that amongst big breed dogs and our small breed dogs. Mm -hmm. So when you guys are taking your littles out on adventures and kind of gauging how much they might need, um, how do you start to kind of evaluate the small breed in front of you and decide, hey, dog powered sports might be a good outlet for them. They might need a little more than just kind of a casual walk around the park. I guess for my dog, for Paddington, um, early on, I could tell he, um, he had a lot of go power. <laughs> um, and he was also, I don't know if this will come up later in the podcast, but he also had some real shyness issues. And I knew from my other dogs, you know, that I've just seen so much confidence being built in dog powered sports that I just was like, you know what, even if it's for three minutes where he's in a harness and we just, you know, go over some logs or we do something like that, it's going to help him so much. And it has, I mean, it's just been such a game changer for him. Um, and um, he also had so much energy. And to your prior point about um, dogs of the same breed, my daughter actually has his half brother. And she laughs that that dog could not walk for a half a mile without a nap. So it's definitely, it's definitely an individual um, in the breed. So, um, but Patty just, I mean, I think as a puppy and as a youngster, he had more energy than our field bred English pointer. He was just nonstop. So this stuff just was, was perfect for him. You know, Norby is um, an adrenaline junkie. He, <laughs> you know, likes doing things that allow him to utilize that adrenaline. He's naturally adrenalized, which makes living with him challenging at times. So if I don't give him those outlets, um, like fast cat and now dock diving and those sort of things, he's hard to live with. Um, so, you know, per your suggestion, letting him do those things, obviously getting out of the house is important for him. Being in the house for three days at a time, 
he's going to have a bark festival and he's not going to be able to stop if I don't get him out doing something. And so channeling it into the bike drawing is been really helpful. And now looking at our 14 week old toy fox terrier puppy, um, I see she likes to run. She's not high adrenaline puppy, uh, thank goodness, but she definitely likes to run. She likes to be active. And so now I'm thinking, okay, what will you be doing? You know, will you be appropriate for a bike? Will you be appropriate for other dog part activities? Because she's already showing signs that she needs those things, but in a very different way than he did. Um, he's give it to me or else where she might be a little more sporadic um, in that need, which is nice. And I look at what are you like after the activity? If it was too much or not enough or the right kind of activity, um, because Adrenaline junkies probably shouldn't have adrenaline every single day uh, <laughs> added to them, but uh, it's a balancing act. And also as the dog ages, right, he's six. Um, so seeing what's appropriate and just assessing each time. Um, how do you feel? Are you cranky? Are you sore? Those sort of things. With um, Pocket, I'm actually just now getting started on my journey to explore if dog-powered sports are going to be something that she enjoys. And this is just, I mean, tying in what we talked about earlier about all dogs being individuals. Pocket is my more so Chihuahua. Um, Phoebe is my terrier Chihuahua mix. So you would think the terrier mix is gonna be the one that's more driven and would probably excel better at this. I'm not really seeing those traits in her. She prefers her leisurely hikes over anything else. Um, but I do like to take my dogs um, when I'm able to on off-leash outings and that behavior is kind of indicated to me that Pocket may be a good candidate for this because she has such a large range in how much ground she covers. Anytime she's allowed to cover that amount of ground, she's, you know, she is off and she is going and she wants to be fast and she wants to go, go, go. And whenever she's on the leash, she actually, um, which is a little bit uh, different than what a lot of dog trainers would allow, but she actually really enjoys pulling me on leash and I do not stop her because she has a nice well-fitting harness. Um, and it's not so much a frustration-based pulling that I'm seeing. It's more, she hits the end of the line. She keeps that steady contact and she wants to keep going. So I see those kind of traits in her that I think may make her a pretty good candidate for dog powered sports. And I think Phoebe will find activities otherwise out in nature that she will like a little bit better. <laughs> For me, it was easy to tell that Lottie liked it because she's always loved to run. And the first, like from the very first day we went out to just try it, you could just see how much joy it was bringing her to be allowed to go to the end of the leash and just pull hard and just sprint as fast as she wanted to. My older dog, Tilney, it was a little trickier I was not sure that he was really enjoying it at first. Um, I was hoping he would because obviously two small dogs for skijoring is a little more useful than just one small dog. So I really, you know, I was going to give it a, a fair trial with him. And what I noticed with him was that he, he really kind of picked up his enjoyment. He started running to catch Lottie more. He seemed really relaxed after we had gone out for a run and he started getting excited when he saw the gear coming out and getting ready to go again. So even though he's a little more serious of a dog and he doesn't have Lottie's just enthusiasm for movement, I figured out that he was still enjoying the activity and really having fun too. I love that. I think there can be such a huge range too, right? From observing the dog in front of you and going, you've got a need for speed or you're always on the move faster than what I can do. You'd probably enjoy this all the way to you know, watching a shy dog come out of their 
out of their shell a little bit through some structure and repetition and enjoyment of a sport. So I think that there can be a wide variety of like, I think my dog shows a lot of natural aptitude all the way up to let's give it a try and kind of observe the dog and see what changes we see. Because as we know, with exciting and arousing activities like this, right, we want to make sure like Paula mentioned that we're not overdoing it, right? That it's something that is providing benefit, but not just tiring the dog out until, you know, they're conked and they just need to sleep. So it's a balance, right? But I think that that's something that all dog owners will kind of observe their dog and then be able to figure out what their individual dog's baseline is, right? And then be mindful of all those small changes. So in kind of the mindset of getting our dogs out and getting them on these adventures, obviously equipment is one thing that comes up because even for normal pet dogs, finding small equipment that fits them well can be a challenge let alone our dog powered sports that, you know, traditionally have been designed for dogs much larger than a lot of the dogs that you guys are sharing your life with. So was finding equipment a challenge for you guys? Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you found that did work. Yes, equipment in general is a challenge for small dogs. That is one thing that is not convenient about having a small dog is that typically it will cost you a lot more uh, kind of like regular bathing suit versus bikini. Like, I don't know why, but it costs more to um, outfit that. And so having things custom made, um, we had a custom harness because we really wanted to make sure, especially with bike drawing, that it was padded appropriately. And so we um, you know, measured and had um, CTC create one for Norby. And that has actually helped other people figure out which one to use um, because to me, equipment's so important that it's lightweight uh, for the littles. Um, and then obviously for this type of activity that they're having the right range of motion because they don't want to do anything to harm him physically. So yes, very challenging, but possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, a, I had to do the same thing. Mine's not as little as all of yours, but I had to have a custom harness made. There were some that kind of worked, but they, they didn't fit near as well as having the custom. I mean, it just it was night and day for him. I was able to get my dogs in like just normal standard sizing, but both of the harnesses I got are from Europe and Lottie's harness I did have to import directly from France. So my hope is that as things become more popular here, uh, then there are going to be more commercial options available for smaller dogs. I definitely noticed a lot of difficulty getting equipment and I think even some custom equipment, it can be hard to know if it's really going to be sized down appropriately for the small dog. What I especially like about Lottie's harness is that it is truly lightweight. The straps are narrow. The buckles are lightweight. It's appropriate for a 12-pound dog. I think in addition to the, the harness, too, you have to think about, like, the line. Um, you know, are the buckles going to be lightweight enough? Um, is the line going to be thin enough that we're not adding additional unnecessary weight by going with a standard thickness, you know? Um, I do agree that I think the sport has grown tremendously in the last 10 years, and there's a lot more equipment available now for a wide range of sizes. But I, I think as well that for a lot of our small breed people, looking at your dog, looking at, you know, what they might need as an individual, and then if you can afford it, going with that custom option. I do find too that a lot of the outfitters are um, good at communicating. 
So if you do need something custom, reach out, see if they're able to do it. Um, and there's so many people that make their own equipment now too. So if you have a friend that um, can make their own lines or something like that, it'd be easy for you then to also get assistance in that way by being able to custom select everything for weight. Another big consideration when talking about our littles, as I'm sure you guys are very aware, is safety concern. And there can be a wide variety of concerns that we have with our small breed dogs in regards to safety. Um, safety of actually engaging in the sport, safety when encountering other people and other dogs when out and about. What are some of the things that you guys are mindful of or aware of in terms of engaging in you know, these adventurous sports and even going out into different environments with your, with your dogs? So our group that runs together, our, our urban mushing group that goes together, everybody's really good with Patty and um, we're, we don't really do any nose to nose intros. Everybody's really great about, you know, making sure our lines are far enough away from each other that they're not going to interact. And I'm, you know, Patty and I don't often pass people. <laughs> So um, he can't quite catch his pointer sister, even though he thinks he can. Um, so we don't usually have that trouble. But um, if I do, if we do have to pass or there's another dog on the trail, I can easily, because he's smaller, I can easily just kind of pull him on the other side of my bike and we just kind of run along and I can keep him safely on the other side of me. And that's just sort of how I handle that. I would love to see at some point as far, we, we were signed up to go to Alatuna and we had to back out at the last minute, but I would love to see at some point at some of the races, um, like a small dog wheeled class that happens at the end of the wheeled classes, because I think just then the big dogs don't have to worry about our little dogs out on the trails. Um, and then we don't have to worry about the big dogs overtaking us. I mean, not that I think there would be problems, but I just think it would be safer for everybody Everybody would feel more confident and happy out there. Um, so I would love to see that, even if it had to be a fun, you know, like a fun run type class, just so we have a, a little and a big. Yeah, going off that big dog, little dog kind of dynamic, whenever I'm out and about with my dogs, I certainly am a lot more vigilant whenever I'm handling my own or another small dog, whenever it comes to encountering other dogs on the trail, right? So anytime I'm out hiking with my dogs, I make it a very strict specific rule that we are not meeting, we're not greeting other dogs on the trail, especially if it's a large breed dog. Um, not necessarily for those kind of stereotype reasons that people think whenever they talk about the little person, the little dog person picking up their, you know, dog to pass you. Um, it's more so just because the size dynamic, it's quite obvious that one is at a disadvantage compared to the other. And we never know how those sudden on leash in your face on the trail whenever they were having a really good time enjoying nature and all of a sudden there's a dog in their face kind of interaction is going to go. Um, so I always make an effort to make sure that I am not having those one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face interactions whenever I'm out on the trail with my dogs. And I'm also very cautious to um, carry safety gear with me that I have thankfully not, knock on wood, had to use um, in any situation yet, but it's very possible it may happen. Um, 
A couple of things that I'll carry with me are, you know, spray shield or pet corrector. And those are more so for an emergency kind of situation, but it's really nice. It gives me a lot of peace of mind to have. So if I encounter like a loose dog or something like that, I know that I'm going to be able to protect my dogs, especially if it's a larger dog and me just picking my dogs up is not going to be the solution to get them to safety. Um, so just making sure that I have that kind of equipment that I need in case the worst case scenario happens gives me a ton of peace of mind for safety. So with skiing, one of the issues is that your reaction time is really delayed um, because normally you can just stop, you can reel in your dogs, you know, you can use any defensive met methods you need to use, but with skiing, you have to stop yourself first and then your dogs aren't on a 10 foot line and you might have to step off the trail. You might have to wait for where it can be safe to stop. So what I do is I just don't ski alone, especially if I'm going to be on a busier trail. I bring someone else with me who doesn't have a dog. And then if we see another dog in the distance, because unfortunately there are loose dogs on ski trails, I can focus on stopping myself, reeling in my dogs, getting them under control. And then the person who I'm skiing with can go out ahead of me and can do the body blocking and kind of be a buffer um, just to prevent any kind of small dog, large dog encounter. I also have no interest at passing other dogs at speed on skis. I think it's just too tempting to have two small dogs run quickly past another dog who's already amped up. If I need to pass another dog, we'll just, you know, step off to the side of the trail. We'll wait for them to go by, give them time, and then keep moving ourselves. For us, um, bike joring passing dogs that are not also bike joring, uh, um, who are just out on their casual walk, I have to assess what's happening with those handlers and with the dogs. So some I will kind of go off of the path and still ride because I can get past them a little bit faster. Norby can be reactive to dogs. Thankfully, on when he's running, he doesn't care about them. But I have to assess where if they're coming straight on, I may, or if I feel uncomfortable, I may get off the bike, move him to the side like I would on the trail, and then, you know, reward him for just hanging out or, you know, walk along if I need to. Just have to assess each situation because it varies. Um, and I also try to go when nobody else is probably going to be there because then I don't have to think about it and we can just let loose. Uh, another safety thing though with being on wheels is I have almost run over my dog and um, training is really important and also um, being ready for those situations. It was terrifying. I thought I would never get back on the bike uh, for a brief moment and he was totally fine. Um, there, there's more sturdy than you think, um, but that's another safety concern too. It's like, is your dog trained for this? Are you trained for this? Are you willing to take that risk? Um, and I'm willing to with some accommodations uh, to make sure that that is not an issue ongoing um, because safety is number one when it comes to our dogs. You know, we want to advocate for them and keep them safe. Um, and so I too, like Abby, carry things with me, whether I'm hiking or biking or even in my neighborhood, I have um, spray shield and I have pepper spray. Thankfully, don't need to use them, but um, it's something that when you have littles, they just don't have the advantage of a larger dog. And I don't want to put my dogs in that situation uh, if I can avoid it. Yeah, I have this similar experience on skis. I'm aware that if I'm going fast and I run over my dog, and I have run over tell me before, um, it's not fun and there's a real risk to the small dog. So I'm just a much more cautious skier if I feel like I'm going down a slope and I'm not going to be able to control my speed the way I want to. I just take my skis off. You know, it's not worth the risk of ruining our long-term enjoyment for getting down one hill faster. I think that makes me think of something else when it comes to safety is making sure 
um, or things to consider with our smalls is that they're physically fit for this activity. It might be a topic that you have on the list to talk about, but um, you know, if you do something crazy with your dog and they're physically sound, hopefully they can bounce back faster than maybe a dog who doesn't have that um, muscular structure and things like that too. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely, Paula. I think that, you know, especially if it's somebody that has a small breed dog that is just starting to get into these sports, right? They maybe have not been quite as active with their dogs, might not have gone on as many adventures. And of course, with any dog, no matter size, before getting started in a sport like this, you really do need to be honest with yourself about your dog and, and your own fitness level, right? Because there are skills um, that require a certain degree of athleticism that both you and the dog need in order to safely do this. And I'm glad that you guys brought up the idea of um, kind of quick reflexes, right? Because of course, with our small breed dogs, with any dog, if they're out in front of us and we need to hit the brakes, we need to be mindful and ready to do that fast. Like if you're driving a car in traffic, right? And you're not that far behind the car in front of you, you got to be ready. And if you're distracted at all or not paying attention, then obviously we could run into a situation where there's a problems. And with our small breed dogs, you know, that is a bigger problem because we're much larger than them. And if we're traveling at fast speeds, that could be something where we might need to, um, you know, on our side of things, be really prepared to kind of hit the brakes or move out of the way so that we're not running into them. Do you find that in addition to just being cognizant of speeds and being, you know, very um, prepared for those type of situations, do you ever employ any training in addition to just that management in terms of certain behaviors that you like to put on cue that help you for safety with your littles? A hundred percent. A leave it or an on by, especially for when you're moving. Um, that's what got us in trouble. I didn't have a strong on by or leave it um, when I don't know what caught his attention, but something caught his attention and, and wrapped us around. And also making sure to really reinforce that you stay in front of me and never circle around me. So really reinforcing the desired things so that those are really strong when we're out, especially when we're on wheels. I don't worry about it when we're hiking or running. Even just from like a out in nature kind of perspective without the dog powered element to it. Um, a lot of times whenever I take my dogs out there, either on a long line, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty large and they can get pretty far away from me or they're off leash. And so I've done a ton of training with both of my dogs because even more so than, you know, a 60 pound Labrador out in the woods, my dogs are at a much larger risk of things happening to them, especially with like wildlife or, you know, just various obstacles in the woods that may come up. Um, so I like to make sure that my dogs are always within my sight. So if you have dogs that you take out into the woods in that kind of way, it's really important to make sure that you've really heavily reinforced automatic check-ins. You've really started to build up this idea that your dog kind of needs to stay in a certain radius from you so that they're not too far away. Recalls need to be really strong. 
even off of, you know, wildlife, even off of oncoming hikers or oncoming dogs, um, even on those long lines, that recall needs to be good if your dog's all the way at the end of the line. I also teach my dogs a um, slow down cue. So just kind of a woe is all I've taught them that you're about to reach the end of that long line. I don't want you to be running full speed, hit the end of the line and then do, you know, a backflip because you're 10 pounds and you just threw your entire body weight into that. Um, so that's been really helpful for my dogs as well. Just kind of making sure that they're aware of where I am in regards to everything else going on around me. They're within a radius that I feel comfortable. And if I need to get them back to me quickly, because I see something that I'm worried about, they can get to me really quickly as soon as I call them the first time. I think I definitely monitor like, because Patty is shy and I don't want him to get spooked. I definitely am super, super aware of just what's happening at all times when I'm on the bike or the scooter. I mean, I am, I've, I've got my hands on the brakes every second of the ride, um, just in case. And I do, you know, I think, um, the more familiar he gets with certain areas, the less we have those issues. Um, so, um, we can, we can let loose a little more in, in familiar areas, or even when um, I'm riding behind my husband or our training friends, because he's just like, he forgets all his shyness and he's just ready to go. But also I think as he was, as he was learning how to be a cane across dog, I did really work with him on, but he just can't stop in front of me. You got to keep moving. Um, and so he's pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of sports and that includes obedience. And I would actually say I care more about the strength of my verbal cues in dog powered sports than I do anything else, because it's so important for me that if I say go one direction, go the other direction, stop, that my dogs respond pretty much immediately. I think the other big thing, though, and, and Abby, this is kind of playing off what you said, you have to have more skills doing whatever activity it is that you're doing. I had to become a much better skier so mm -hmm. quickly taking my dogs out. Because even if you're not at risk of crashing into them, I mean, I have about 10 times the weight of each of my dogs. And so if I fall or I stumble or get off balance, which happens so easily on skis, especially if you're not very good, then that's a big jerk to my dogs. And it can really kind of pull them off balance and be very unpleasant for them. So just being really aware of your own body and what your behaviors is doing and if it's actually a fun experience for the dog. I think that's huge. I'm so glad you brought that up. Obviously with any dog powered sport, things that we do behind them can either increase their enjoyment of the activity or can cause problems, can make them fearful, can make them not want to pull and not be confident out in front. And that can happen with any dog, but with our littles, right? That can be even more physically concerning if we're doing something that might jerk them or move them off the ground. And I'm really glad too, that you brought up verbal cues because 100%, right? Like our dogs need to be so solid on their directions when we want them to stop or maybe move over. And a lot of that is great, right? But if we're encountering a distraction or encountering another dog that we don't know, or we don't trust, or we see it approaching and we're like, Hey, I don't love the body language that I'm seeing from your, your other dog. I think one important question that we have to ask is to pick up or not to pick up, right? To use management like our bikes or skis to block and, and keep our dogs safe. So 
because you guys are also experienced with training and behavior and small breed dogs, when do you guys make that decision on, hey, this could be something because of the size difference that is dangerous for my little dog? When do I need to decide, hey, I need to go more into active management mode here instead of just using a cue, like asking the dog to move over and wait? I, I've been lucky. I, I guess I haven't really had to get in a situation where I pick up my little dog. When I run with him, I typically carry like a ski pole. Um, one to keep me upright from hitting logs and falling on my face and other to just use it as kind of a, a tool to push dogs away. I'm, I'm really not shy. Um, I've asked people, um, I've hollered out at them, you know, hey, is your dog on a leash? And if they're not, I ask them to put it on a leash. Um, my husband's more inclined to just pick down or reach down and pick Patty up. Um, I haven't had to do that yet. So I guess I'm really lucky in that regard, or, you know, we're running or going at times when we don't have a lot of dogs out there. So I guess I don't know the exact answer to when I would pick him up, but I've been able to manage it up to this point. I'm more willing to pick up Norby because of his reactivity um, that maybe he doesn't have any more bandwidth on that hike or that ride. Um, typically it's a hike that he's like, I'm done. I'm done passing dogs. It doesn't even matter what the dog's like. Um, it's more for his benefit to say, you know what? You don't have any more bandwidth. There's no, I can't manage you in any other way. I'm just going to pick you up and keep moving. Um, otherwise I tend to use my bike as a buffer or even lay my bike down. And then I can be between him and the oncoming dog. Um, I'm more concerned for how he's going to react to the dog since I know he can be reactive at times. Um, and I read the other dog to say, okay, what's my decision here? And I kind of go down, am I going to do this, this, or this, and then act quickly and always have something with me to reinforce his behavior. So that way I have, you know, more, more miles with him that we're going to have a positive experience. I also have a reactive small dog. So I'm kind of going off of what Paula said. I will be more inclined to pick Phoebe up if I feel like she needs it. Um, and this is more so for behavioral reasons than anything, but it's also for safety. I tend to opt for picking her up if it is something that I can proactively predict. So if I see somebody with a dog whose body language I'm not loving coming on the trail, right, coming right at us, and I'm just thinking either this is going to cause Phoebe to react because this dog's body language is going to set her off, or I'm not entirely sure about this dog's sociability either, and this is becoming a safety concern for me. Um, so I'll proactively pick her up in those situations. I'll try not to wait until the other dog has kind of gotten in her face and then pick my dog up because now she's a flying squirrel to that other dog and it may just increase their arousal levels if I wait till that last moment and they're already face to face before I'll pick her up. So I tend to do that if I already see somebody approaching at a distance. I also will typically need to pick her up if I'm going to use a magnet hand technique, which is a um, continuous feeding technique that is very difficult to do with small dogs because you are supposed to be feeding them continuously from your hand and you have to basically be on the ground with them to reach them. So I'll pick her up for that. That's something that we've practiced in the past. Otherwise, if I feel like it's not a good situation to pick her up or I feel like she can handle it, I will just make space on the side of the trail. So I'll step off the trail into um, the pine straw or whatever it is, and I'll toss her a treat scatter. That's something that we've practiced a lot. So it's become very predictable for her that she knows whenever I tell her, hey, we're stepping off the trail, 
you just need to worry about eating the treats that I'm throwing in the grass, in the pine straw that you can sniff out. And once you're finished, the dog's already gone, the person's already gone, and we can just keep going from there. So if I can do that, I will opt for that. But if I feel like picking her up is a better decision, it has been helpful for her in those kind of situations. I love that you mentioned too, that it's something that you've practiced ahead of time. It's not like you're just going to do it in the moment, because as we know, when we are removing our dogs from certain situations or constantly picking them up or grabbing collars or grabbing harnesses, that can quickly become pretty aversive and we can end up creating a dog that is avoiding us. And you know, then that's a serious safety issue because then we've got a dog in, in a situation that's not safe and they're moving further away from us. So I'm really glad that you brought that point up. Maya, did you have something else to add there? Oh, I was gonna say, I. I'm already a very cautious person. And then Lottie was actually attacked by a larger dog. So that really made me much more cautious about this. So I have zero tolerance for off-leash dogs approaching her. Um, no interest in dealing with that. So I will make whatever decision I think is least likely to lead to an encounter. Sometimes that's proactively picking her up and just moving totally off the trail. Sometimes it's you know leaving her on the ground, but sending someone off to body block them for me or body blocking myself if we're doing candy cross and I'm on foot we all don't, we don't want something bad to happen on the trail. You know, our goal is for us to go out and have fun with our dogs because honestly, the sport is a ton of fun. And there's so many different benefits that our dogs can gain from getting out in nature and being able to do these dog powered sports in your own personal experience, living with your dogs. Are there certain, certain, um, you know, behavior changes that you've seen from them at home or personality shifts where you've been able to identify my dog is loving this. This is a really good outlet for them. I'm going to keep doing this. What have you seen in terms of benefits in your own personal dogs from dog powered sports? I mean, um, with, with Paddington and his shyness, the, the change is amazing. Um, his very first race we did, what we did cane across uh, the cane across race at Lodi, which was so much for him for his first race. You had to go through all the big dogs to get to the starting line that were just so excited and barking. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't um, prepare him as well as I should have for that. And he, by the time we got to the starting line, he was like, what are we doing? Um, and so over, over time, you know, we practiced with, you know, treats and, and I, you know, kept it so that when we were at the races, nobody really was pressuring him to touch him and pet him. And by our last race at Alatoon, and I think you were at the starting line, Chelsea, he was um, lying at the starting line, splooting and wagging his tail. And he was so happy. And I was just like, yes, we did it. And when we um, when we finished, I thought, oh my gosh, he was running up to people to visit. Um, it was just such a huge change. Like the confidence is just there. And I'm still always aware of it. I'm always aware that like, you know, he could, he could be shy. And so, you know, he, he definitely does not have to get, people always see him in his long ears and they just want to grab his ears and touch him. Um, but I just, you know, he doesn't have to have that at races and it's just helped him so much that now he wants to go see people. So it's been, it's been really neat to see the change and I hope it continues. Norby is just happier getting to get out of the house and being active, whether that's uh, kind of hiking or bike joring. He just has that fulfillment of getting to be fast 
you know, when I walk him or even try to run him, he kind of, I call it warming his tires like they do in NASCAR. Like he's back and forth, back and forth, like, gosh, he's so slow. And I know I'm slow. And even on the bike, I'm slow. You know, he could have gone more after our race, which I was like, wow, you know, like that's, that's crazy. Like we just did four miles in a weekend and we'd never do that. Um, so he's much happier as long as I make sure it's not too much, um, which means when he is happy, he is less reactive. He is more relaxed. He is more enjoyable to be with. And um, that makes you know me happy because then I'm also getting out with him and I'm getting that fulfillment too of being active with him. I don't know if it helped Lottie behaviorally, but it definitely helped me dealing with Lottie's behaviors during her adolescence because she's still a very young terrier and she was very wild and did not find loose leash walking to be a particularly easy thing to learn. So I kind of gave up on that for a while and we really just did cane across and cane across training. And that was extremely fun and enjoyable. And all the things that were frustrating about loose leash walking were suddenly like reinforcing and in, you know, enjoyable for both of us um, for cane across. So I don't know if it helped her at all, but it definitely helped our relationship during that trying period. I definitely notice a difference in my dog's behavior for the worse if they don't get out and they don't get those opportunities to go out and just be a dog. Um, so the differences that I've seen in my dogs is actually a really big reason why I'm such a big advocate for not writing your little dog off or your toy breed dog off as, you know, not an adventure buddy. Um, Pocket is a little bit of my naughty child. So if she is unfulfilled and she doesn't have these opportunities to go out, she will um, be destructive in the yard. She'll try to be an escape artist. If you do not walk her or get her out enough, she will try to take herself. Um, she can also be very, um, she doesn't settle as easily whenever she hasn't had those needs met. And it's also really interesting to see the difference in her behavior anytime I try to take her somewhere that is, you know, just a public space or, you know, to like a training facility. Um, even like whenever she does her scent work, sometimes she is a little suspicious of the different things that she has to search. So you see her be a little tentative and reserved. As soon as you get her out into the woods, we get her out hiking, she's ready to go. There is no obstacle too big. There is nothing too suspicious for her. Like she is just completely in the zone and in her element, which is really great to see. Um, with Phoebe, Phoebe is a little bit more, um, she has more behavior challenges than Pocket does. And so I definitely see a really big reduction in her reactivity and her threshold levels increase. So she is you know, able to tolerate more whenever she's also getting out and having those opportunities to decompress in nature. Um, and she also has some issues with generalized anxiety that don't necessarily have a noticeable pinpointing, you know, trigger that sets them off. It's more so something that just kind of fluxes and flows as she goes about her routine. And I definitely see a big reduction in those generally anxious behaviors from her whenever she's had a chance to just get out and be a dog, which is very, very enriching and fulfilling for me. So it makes me happy whenever they're happy. <laughs> I think another thing too, Chelsea, is that, and I don't know if this is true for the others on the panel, it enables my small dog to get out and do things with big dogs in a safe way when we have a group of people doing the same thing, whether we're hiking or running or biking. And it's like, he can do the same thing they're doing and they're all focused on one thing. So they're not going nose to nose. And even if the dog he like would normally not be cool hanging out with, those hikes, he can definitely hang out with them as long as he's in the right place, you know, in the grouping. Um, and so that 
provides a lot of fulfillment for him because he does want to be around dogs, even though he is socially awkward at times and, and reactive. It really helps him to be able to have those positive times versus just him and I out. I love that structure. You know, we talk about that quite a bit in terms of helping the dogs feel safe. And so I think that when we're talking about our group activities, being able to give them some predictability, right? And a way that they can be around other dogs for social time, but not have that pressure of having to interact or, or you know, having to play with that size difference. So I'm glad that you brought that up too. And I, it's fascinating that you all are seeing the benefits both in the moment with Patty, for example, and his confidence increasing and how much of a shift you saw from the first race to this last one all the way to, you know, seeing changes in them that are undesired if these needs aren't getting met, if they're not getting this outlet. So if we have a listener that's, you know, we've piqued their interest, they've got a small breed dog and they're thinking, okay, maybe I can do this with them. Do you all have any advice that you would give them in terms of kind of getting started or a tip that you might give them? I definitely um, have something to say on that. Um, I, I think that, so because I've run with pointers for so many years, um, you know, and I'm older, um, it's a lot harder on my body. And I, I think that this sport could be much more inclusive to everyone. I mean, I think I, I'm able to go out with my little dog and my body doesn't take a beating when I run with him. And it's just, you know, all of my friends, I'm like, you have to go try this because it's so much fun. You know, you don't need to be 19 to be able to do it. Um, I, I had some injuries and some medical stuff and I was able to go out still with my little dog. And, you know, it's just such a boost to your mental health um, to get out there. And so I think that the smaller dogs enable just such a huge variety of people to get into the sport. And once you've tried it, I think people are probably nervous to do a meetup sometimes, you know, we get a little stressed out to take our dog out like, oh my gosh, it might bark or it might do this. But it's such a safe and great way to get out with our little dogs. And um, and again, if you're older, it's just, it's it's just so it's so fun and so good for you to do. So so I'd love for more people to try it. I have three tips. One, if you're not physically active, this is a great way to motivate you to get out. I, I like hiking. I, like I said, I didn't bike until, you know, I was up until elementary school. Okay. It's been a while and um, I'm now more active because of it. And so don't feel like you have to be um, a gym rat or someone who's really physically fit um, to Heather's point, like any age, any fitness level, just start slow um, for both you and your dog find your tribe, find people, you know, it, it is challenging at times to find people with smalls doing things like this. Um, obviously we're a unique group, but we're not all, you know, in the same area. So find your tribe, whether that's online, in person, find people who are willing to hang out with, you know, smalls doing this thing um, in your area. And then the third thing is find training that you can learn the skills at home and go out on your own if you don't have a tribe or that's not really your thing to get out with others um, because it's something that will enrich your life and your dog's life and, um, and explore it. And if, if neither of you like it, that's cool, you did it, um, but you're probably gonna get hooked. 
Yeah, I think there's something freeing about doing this with small dogs. No one is going to take you too seriously, especially when you're starting. So you don't need to take it too seriously or feel bad about yourself or judge your own level of activity either. I have never run in my life before, and I picked it up just to do this with Lottie. Um, and I don't run very well, but it's okay because we're both having fun doing it. I love that. I like to tell people that your small dog is a dog first. So don't knock it until you try it. Obviously, acknowledge and know your dog's limitations. Acknowledge and prepare for whatever safety concerns you have with whatever you want to try. But don't knock it until you try it. So still give it a shot. See how your dog does with it. See if there are any benefits to doing so with your dog. And then you can kind of determine if it's the right sport or the right activity for you or not. Fabulous. Now, I know that we do have some people in this group who have some special small dog content. So I do want to give you guys just a moment to share those. Um, Heather, we'll start with you. Do you want to share a little bit about the group that you just created? Oh, then I just just online today, and I, I don't even know if I remember the name of it. Um, Little Dogs Urban Machine. I just created a group on Facebook so that um, we could all sort of join together and help people who are new um, and try and encourage people who are like, you know, kind of tentative to get into the sport to see what we're doing with our little dogs, because I just think it's so cool. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'd love to have everybody join that. And, you know, since you, you all are experts, you can help with um, harnesses and all of that stuff. And Abby, you want to tell us a little bit about your group? Yeah, so I also have a Facebook group. Um, Heather, I'm definitely joining that today. That sounds <laughs> awesome and exactly what I need to get started. Um, so I also have a Facebook group and it is just called Small Breed Dog Training. Um, a couple of us here are also admins there. So we can give you any kind of tips that you need. This can be for dog powered sports. There are a lot of dog powered sports enthusiasts in there already. Um, or it can just be general training, general behavior. If you want to build a sense of community with other people who also have small dogs and are also interested in training and behavior, it's going to be a great resource for you. It's a fantastic mix of trainers average dog owners who just love their dogs and sport enthusiasts. So there's a little something for everybody there. And I will be sure to drop links to those groups directly into our show notes so that it's easy for folks to find them. And hopefully we'll start to see some more of our smaller breed dogs, small but mighty, out on the trails around you. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails.